And good evening, Mental Speak family. You are listening to the Mental Speak show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. It is Friday. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker. And it is just after five o'clock here in North Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight uh, for tonight's show. I think it's probably one of the most important topics that um, that we could be speaking on right now. I pulled up some statistics. Let me first let me tell you what we're talking about. We are talking about mental health issues and the family dynamic within the Mexican community. Uh, we're going to incorporate some of some of everything as far as the Latino community, but we're speaking very specific to the Mexican community tonight. Uh, the Mexican community makes up a large population here in the United States, and their issues are are not addressed in the forefront. If this is your first time listening to Mental Speak, you know that this show is about pursuing and seeking mental and emotional balance and discussing the topics that a lot of us have shied away from, that uh, society has made taboo, uh, that we've avoided, and we've, you know, we're out of balance right now emotionally. So it's time to gather some courage to start talking about these issues. And as you know, every week I bring in people from the community, mental health professionals, uh, might even throw in some of my uh, comedian friends to come in and talk about the issues so that we can, we can start making some change in our lives because it starts with us. Tonight I have brought, uh, two lovely Mexican women, uh, licensed master social worker, Monica Lechuga. Hello, everybody. And licensed master social worker Brenda Alba. Hello. Yay. Now, both of them are fluent in Spanish. I took eight years of Spanish. I can't speak a lick. So I might murder a few words. They'll, they'll correct me. No worries. <laughs> We're here for you. These, these ladies are, uh, clinical practitioners and they are also our go-to ladies uh in in the hospital setting um for when we need to uh speak with families and uh spanish speaking patients and uh so we rely on them greatly but the number one reason that i think they're going to be able to bring some gold to you today as far as this topic is because Brenda you were born and raised in Mexico mm-hmm. yep okay born and raised Monica here Texan all the way. Texan all the way, mm-hmm. but first first generation. First generation. My parents are both Mexican. Mm-hmm. First generation. First generation. So they are going to speak to this topic. They're going to be able to help you to open up, uh, to get real with yourselves, to get honest about what you've experienced uh, for those of you in, in the Mexican community. I what What really brought this topic to my heart and to my mind is that I work with a lot of Mexican boys and what I learned is especially social workers we have to be what's called uh, socially competent and so what I was finding out was a lot of my Mexican boys that came into the hospital they couldn't cry Mm -hmm. they couldn't cry Uh, we're going to jump into that in a little bit but they they their their fathers they would always say my dad is just a dominating you know person in my life and I can't just be who I am I can't cry he tells me not to cry mm-hmm. and the mom kind of appeases Reinf- that yeah, yeah. Reinforces, she reinforces it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah it's a yeah. weakness if a man is yes. crying and showing that kind of emotion yes mm-hmm. yes 
So we're going to we are just going to delve into that today. I want to throw some statistics out here so the ladies can can um, talk about it. By 2060, this is from the U.S. Census Bureau, by 2060, the number of Hispanics in the United States is projected to grow to 129 million, and that will be 31% of the population. So of all the nations in the world, only Mexico has a larger Hispanic population than the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, right now, um, we're also the greatest minority in the country with the least amount of representation, not only in mental health where we're able to have those services, but also in our government. So for me, as a Latina woman, that makes me feel like my voice is not heard. Mm -hmm. And Latina women are still the ones that not only are not getting the help that they need, but they're also underpaid as well. So for me, I'm like, okay, so I don't get any mental health services and my pay is less than everybody else. So that you work hard, you work work the hardest. (laughs) I work really hard because when we're at the hospital, we're both speaking two languages and we have our own caseload. And on top of that, doing other people's caseloads because they don't speak Spanish. So we work twice as hard with a lot less money, but we do it because of the passion. It's not because of the pay. Because if that was it, there would be no social workers in this world. That's right. Yep. So let me let me let me throw this over to you, and I'm going to come back this way. You're a social worker. Yes, what I am. brought you into this uh, novel field that we are in? Well, I started out as a science major, and it just kind of I took a couple of classes in college in social work, and then. I just kind of kept coming back. Something kept pulling me to social work. But I also have uh, a lot of history, like as an immigrant coming here and receiving a lot of assistance. Back when I came in, though, it was very limited. But we still got to meet a social worker who pretty much changed our lives. And I hope she's listening. But, um, you know, What's we actually name? You still, can say her name. Yeah, Marcella. Yeah, she's, we still keep in touch. Um, not as much as I'd like to, but she, I feel like she really kind of, uh, showed me that part of, you know, hey, you can make a difference someday. And so it just kept calling me back and I did it. Here you are. I'm a social worker. Here you are. to make a difference in something, somewhere. And you are. And you are. Monica. So I kind of fell into social work I was working my husband's in the Navy so we move a lot Um, and we were living in rural Nevada not a lot of jobs and I ended up being a counselor at a school it's a group home it's an alternative school and I worked in a team with psychologists psychiatrists social workers LPCs and I saw what they were doing and I was like I want to do that because I was helping the kids but I felt like I wasn't giving them more than I could so um, then I was talking to my husband. I'm like, I'm going to go back to school, get my master's in social work and become a social worker. And he was like, go for it. So I fell into it. I fell into it thinking I was going to be a military men- social worker in mental health. But I am now with the psychiatric ICU and that's my love. Yeah. You guys, now you're on the other side and we're, we're really we're going to delve in. We're going to get deep today. Let me let me prep the audience for this. You uh, for the listener, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the stigma, if, if you're in the Mexican community and you know that life, you about that life, you know what it is. Um, 
you all are now on the other side. Um, let's go into the Mexican community because I need you to paint a picture for the listener of what the, and we're, of course, we're going to generalize. That's what we do. We generalize so that we can pick it apart and look at it. But what is it like to grow up Mexican, especially, particularly in Mexico? Give us, give us so we can see it. Well, I mean, I wasn't, I was there probably until I was like eight or nine, but I still got some experience, especially at schools. You know, obviously coming here it was culture shock. Um, you you do have to get used to a lot of different things. You know, again, when I was going to school very young, I I still got to experience the getting in trouble at school for speaking my language. So again, that you know, being suppressed in that manner, couldn't speak the language, got in trouble. You know, so it kind of makes you feel like you're not right. So it makes you feel abnormal because you don't fit in. So kind of growing up with that mentality of you're not right, trying to fit into a world where, you know, they're trying to change the way you think, your values and such is difficult. Um, So really trying to um, balance that at home and at in social situations, you know, like especially in school, it was it was a challenge, but interesting. here you are. It here was you. interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Monica, um, well, I was born and raised in El Paso, so El Paso is very unique because it's like little Mexico here. Um, so I didn't feel any different until. We moved to this tiny little place in East Texas called Vernon, Texas. And it couldn't be any further of the opposite world of El Paso than this place. And that's the first time I realized, oh, I'm different than everybody else. Um, I was called really grotesque names. I was, I didn't know what it was. Like they would call me wet back and I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> One, I don't know what you're saying. And I don't know if I should be insulted because <laughs> I'm not insulted by that word. Cause I don't know what it means. And then when I realized what it was, I was like, Oh, they're calling me an insulting word and they're trying to make me feel less. But yeah. I'm a person who was like, okay, well I'm not. So whatever. Um, and then they said that I had an accent, which I didn't think I did, but maybe I had like an El Paso Mexican accent. <laughs> I don't know. And then we were there for exactly nine months. My f- parents moved us here to Arlington. So I was finished. I was raised. I call Arlington my home because I was raised here from like age nine to um, now. Um, but when I moved here, uh, I went to Carter Hi- Junior High. So it's a very diverse community. So there I found my clique. There was a lot of minorities there and I felt more comfortable. But when I was in elementary school I was the translator for the school I was the only Spanish speaking me and my sister who was in Sound kindergarten familiar, at Brenda? the time a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was this is an elementary school and they were utilizing me to translate for the brand new like I think in at that time there was just a wave of immigrants coming in because mm-hmm. we were the only like Mexican that spoke Spanish family I guess and I remember I was in fourth and fifth grade and the teachers were like monica there's a parent here can you translate and i'm like what i'll try see um always taking advantage so so it was weird but then by sixth grade we got a lot more people in and it was awesome but like yeah when i first moved to arlington it was very different Mm -hmm. than it is now yeah interesting interesting i you know i grew up in california so 
Mexican, the Mexican community is us, right? Like we were integrated. I mean, it's kind of funny because I almost feel like when I left California and went to the South and went to Jacksonville, Florida, then the Mexicans became the minority. That That's why it's weird to me to use the word for <laughs> Latinos because it's like, no, you're the majority. Um, but th- that was, I can't imagine because it was so common in California, everywhere you went, mm-hmm. your homes are, you know, Mexican terminology, your food, the food that you eat, you're just immersed in the culture. So mm-hmm. it was a culture shock for me to actually leave where there were Mexicans. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is um, it. it I, I think what it's got to do for the people listening is to understand that this is our future, man. This is our future. They are our neighbors next door. They are here. I think this is the perfect time to have this conversation mm-hmm. with all that's going on politically. The, yeah. the the conversation that we're having politically, definitely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so the the thing about it is, you. <laughs> Depending on what you believe and where you stand politically, you may have these issues where you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I don't like Mexicans. I always go to that voice. I'm so sorry if I offend you and I go to that voice, but that's the voice (laughs) that she hears when she hears that statement. (laughs) I'm just saying the Mexicans coming up here, you know, this we are a melting pot for a reason. It's called that. And. The Mexican community is here building your land. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. And so for us, this conversation about their ability to get access specifically to mental health is is a serious topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. we're going to make light of it because we want it to be lighthearted. It's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something heavy that we're discussing right now. But we we've got to really talk about this for the times. I know that it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Brenda, you and I talked. Yeah. Brenda yeah. and I talked. She's like, we're going to make some people <laughs> mad. Start some fires. Let's start some Let's stuff. Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. We got to piss you off before we can help you to make change. We've got to do that. We, there, the People don't change. Yeah. No. Change. And remember, our story is our story. Yeah. yeah. We're not speaking for every right. Latino, right. every Hispanic, every mm-hmm. Mexican. We're speaking about our right. truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the majority, we can probably say we're speaking for the majority, especially when we say we're not representative, we don't have the resources, and we're not getting the help that we need. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and the thing about that is, again, I'm and I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna put it out there. You're, if you're okay to let a people, and this has happened all throughout America, you know, the Chinese built the railroads, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say what all the African folks built, but. Hey, <laughs> you know, you got the, the people up north who built the steel mills uh, from the, the Eastern Europeans. I mean, immigrants have built this nation and there's people that are perfectly OK for, you know, for there to be Mexicans on the streets building your highways and your houses and cleaning your houses and your lawn look really mm-hmm. good. You're OK with Jose being there. Yeah. God bless them for coming and doing the work. So you guys have to understand that we know that as Americans, this society has taken a toll on us mentally and emotionally. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can you even imagine the burden that they are feeling and they are experiencing and their children? Let me tell you right now, it breaks my heart that I have patients who a lot of their depression is from being lonely because their parents have to work two and three jobs. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they're yeah. not home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
as we get into this conversation tonight, I just want you guys to kind of take yourself there, take yourself out of that whole mentality where they shouldn't be getting our resources anyway. Let me tell you something. They're building your resources. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're creating resources for you. So I'm going to need you to kind of, you know, check, check the emotional compass tonight. Listen in, learn something. And for those of you in the community, these ladies are going to offer you some hope. The Mental Speak show is about offering you true, tangible, practical outcomes for your life uh, so that you can take it to your community and make some changes. We're going to hit on it tonight. You're listening to The Mental Speak show. I'm your host, Latani Davis. This is for the Rasa, Rasa, Rasa. Yeah. This is for the Rasa, Rasa, Rasa. Yeah. This is for the Rasa, 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 Rasa. You're gonna get hurt. I'm with my homeboys, my ties, my camaradas. Kicking back on me, ganga, y pa' mi no diga nada. Yo soy chingones, like a capones. Control a todo, so don't ever try to sweat me. Some of you don't know what's happening, que pasa. It's not for you anyway. Cause this is for the rasa. I'm speaking is known as Galo. Y sabes que loco, yo soy muy malo. Tú no sabes nada, your brain is hollow. Been hitting the head too many times with a follow. Still, you're trying to act cool, but you should know. You're so cool that I'ma call you a culo. You're just a peewee, you can't get none ever. Ever. You're on the level. Your own body doesn't back you up. They just look at your ass and call you a poo butt. And so I look and I laugh and say que pasa. Yeah, this is for the raza, raza, raza. Hey, homie, I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the raza. Full of Volo, no one to 
to go with me, so I had to go solo. And when I go out alone, I pack. I don't sweat the javalas when I know that I'm strapped. I'm strapped. Every time that I pack my piece, I pull it out quick and all the nonsense will cease. Just like the song when you're 18 with a bullet, got my finger on the trigger and not afraid to pull it. If it gets out of hand, I know some mafiosos with the pull out quest is on some stupid ass mafioso. Sitting there wondering what's happening, que pasa? Yeah, this is for the pasta.
that is a throwback jam. I I totally missed. I think Monica was like, what? <laughs> You're back on the Mental Speak show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I'm your host, LaTanya Davison. I'm sitting in with licensed master social workers, Monica Lechuga and Brenda Alba this evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are discussing mental health and family dynamics in the Mexican community. And we are just about to jump into the fact that there are in 2060, 31%, 31%, y'all, huge, huge, yep. a lot, lot, lot of folks here. Um, I want to throw out, we got to get the stats because there's people out there that are like, hey, where do you get these numbers from? We're going with the Census Bureau. And, you know, Latinos are not doing awful. Uh, 63% of Latinos, this was... This is way back. These these stats are a little bit old, so we can imagine maybe they're a little bit better. But 63% of Latinos will have graduated from high school. 13% will have graduated from college. Okay. 8.3%. This is back in 2008, so these are quite old, 10 years old. But 8.3% of U.S. firms were owned by his, Hispanics. Can I ask you all a question? Do yes, you prefer sure. Latinos or Hispanics? I think it depends where you're from. Yeah. I'm good with both. Okay. Um, I, you know, if you're from the Caribbean and, and, I mean, I just, I happened to read this the other day. So Hispanics are people that speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Latinos are people that come from Central South American countries, but don't like Brazilians. They're Latinos. They're not Hispanics because they don't speak Spanish. That's what makes it. And I just read it. So it could be wrong, but I read that little line the other day. I wanted, I've always wondered. I don't. Care. You don't care. No, yeah. it isn't. Okay. It's I think for a, a lot of people, big deal. I know that there have been some implications um, with the fact that you have Afro Latinos, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have people at the African descent, and they kind of married together. So, um, in America, some people have questioned whether or not, because remember the census controlled mm -hmm. the title. Yeah. So mm -hmm. for census purposes, it actually seems to make it be like there's less. If you use one term over the other, I mean, so. we we're, we're supposed we were till recently we had to put white, white, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a political thing, mm -hmm. insane. So I want to look at the mental health. We have got some psychiatric statistics that we're going to jump into. Now, this is from the American Psychiatric Association. Uh, from they compiled studies from 2014, and it found that 36 percent of Hispanics with depression received care versus 60 percent of whites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That yeah, disparity. I Sure. So this is going to lead us into one of the most uh, important parts of, of today's discussion. What is it with specifically the Mexican community, but the Latino community as a whole and mental health and mental illness? Yeah. Stigma. I mean, yeah. the biggest thing is stigma. Um, I happened to write a thesis and my whole focus, my focus, though, was on just depression in Latinos. Um, but like stigmas, most of my paper was about the different types. Not only was it self stigma, but social stigma and then public stigma because mm -hmm. there's all three realms. Um, which I think the biggest part is the self because we feel like we're less than if we have a mental illness because of society telling us that it is. And then we're so embarrassed and ashamed that we don't say anything. And then if we do happen to say something, our family's like, there's oh, nothing wrong with there's you. Nothing wrong. Go go take a nap. Yeah, go take go, a nap. Go do this. Yeah. Or, so nervous, which so yes. is like nerves, which or, doesn't exist. Just the nerve. Oh, yeah. like, oh, like what they used or, to call it with American women back in the day. Yes. She just got the nervous she's, she's disorder. Got the, or she's yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Yes. We right. Yeah. 
Yeah. You minimize. Yeah. Or there, there can't be anything wrong with my child. My child is fine. Mm-hmm. He just needs, or she just needs a hug and I can love it away or feed it away, yeah. which pray is another it. thing. Yes. And pray or it pray away. it. Religion pray it has a lot Religion. to do with it. Like, um, it's, it's insane what, some of the ideas that our culture has when it comes to mental health and a lot of people buy into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a scary thought considering again the, you you have a large prevalence of mental illness within this community and for there to still be such a a stigma and a fear. That's really what it is, fam. It's a fear mm-hmm. of saying there's something wrong. There's something wrong emotionally. As a community, what are the sources of, in in your experience, your eyes, your life, what are the sources of such emotional turmoil? You know, I think just absence, you know, from, like you said earlier, you know, parents have to work. Um, parents, and also giving that role to that child, especially if you if you recently immigrated to the States, like you have to, or say your child understands English, speaks English, so that role shifts a little. So you're having to balance that as well. I see that a lot, my experience. You know, they, they give the child that responsibility to do their own thing, like a parent, you know, act like a parent right. at that moment. So I think it's lack of knowledge really just, you know, it just affects different areas there. Um, so maybe not, it, it, it sounds to me like it's almost you know, if we think back, just indigenous cultures, when you haven't come too much into contact with Western knowledge, mm-hmm. you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, right? and we're here to work. We're yeah. here to work and yeah. make a better life. So yeah. figure it out so you can finish school, do better than I did, mm-hmm. get an education, have a better life than I did. I'm sacrificing everything I have for you. Mm-hmm. So this thing that you call an illness, that's really depression and is an illness, wow. I'm going to say suck it up figure it out move on it's growing pains it'll get better Mm -hmm. on its own shake it off Mm -hmm. and 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 don't talk about psycho medication because Mm -hmm. that is a whole different topic that will take hours to deal with. well let but we we got to touch on it though we (laughs) got to touch on it and it's starting to make sense y'all because when i have these we have these young adolescent Mm -hmm. kids come in and these children one of the first things is there is a fear particularly with the moms right you see exactly what y'all are saying right but here's the thing it's not just children i have to do it with my adults with the adults and what i see is so these parents it's First of all, we didn't want them to come in. We didn't even want this, no. right? Yeah. But, no, the, no, no, but no. the school counselor saw something, yes. or the teacher saw something, or the police saw, or the police saw something, and the parent is still in denial. Yes. Brenda. Yes. <laughs> yes. How much do we see this? A lot. Like, that is probably, oh my gosh, that probably happens 90% of the time when I'm dealing with a Hispanic family, you know, that is where I spend most of my time trying to provide that education of this is real. This is not something that is going to, I mean, may work out on its own, but most likely you're going to have struggles. And so we need to pay attention to these struggles now, you know, versus ignoring them and just sweeping them under the rug, because that is unfortunately what happens a lot of the times. I didn't know. I didn't know my child was feeling this way. I didn't know this. When really the child was reaching out, say, a week ago because they were saying this, this, and this. 
Well, and, and you know, and that happens in every other culture as well. For sure. But I feel like that is where, and in so much in denial, it's a shameful thing. My child shouldn't be here. They don't need this. I can go to church and have him prayed mm-hmm. over. It's going to go away. We do have to be culturally sensitive, so right. we have to respect that as well. For sure. But I do see that a lot, and it's I spend a lot of my time providing that psychoeducation on how mental illness works and how real it really is. Mm-hmm. You know. Here, let me see if I could. Find so one. I have. Let me just yeah, tell you. I this is something that I found when I was doing my research for some Latinos that are diagnosed as depression, but I think it can pursued for pretty much every mental illness living with an illness is better than being stigmatized by their friends family or social circles so they'd rather mm-hmm. not say anything and the mm-hmm. kid that was brave enough to actually say something I give it a, I give that child a lot of props yes. because they know that that is happening and they know what's going to happen if they say something but to give them the credit of actually saying something I'm like good on you right. mm-hmm. what hurts me and kills me inside is once the kid was brave enough to say something the parents are saying no you shouldn't have said anything you're fine we're gonna deal with this privately and it gets mm-hmm. to the point where the kid is committing suicide mm-hmm. yeah. that's when they come in and at that point we're like well you could have taken that step the kid reached out I know he said it several times because he said it to me mm-hmm. I know he said it to you so what happened and then the parent has no answer mm-hmm. Let, let's yeah. throw this out. This is uh, from the CDC. Uh, these are 2012 rates, so a little bit ago. But Latino high school males are just as likely to report suicidal thinking as non-Latino whites. So about 10.7% versus 10.5%. However, Latino high school males are more likely to attempt suicide. Okay. Uh, equally, high school females are more likely to report actually greater than uh, non-Latino white females. It's 20.2% versus 16.1%. But they are also more likely to attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, this isn't just my child is depressed. No. It's I'm depressed and I'm out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm done with the game. So to you parents out there, this is why we're having this conversation. Because that mindset has got to shift. Mm-hmm. It's got to. It's a matter of life and death for your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For your grown children. Grown Monica. Children. I, mean, yeah. I work with adults and I have, you know, 40-year-old people coming in and mom and dad are still in the picture. Um, and I don't want to say it's the plans front, but please don't, parents, if you're listening, it's not your fault. We're trying to give you some education, okay? It's an enabling situation, especially for us, because women in our culture tend to be more subordinate and we're caretakers and we're supposed to provide that love and care and attention, da, 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 right? So I think we enable and we don't realize it for the most part. I see it. And it's codependency. Yeah. And this grown man is depending on his or her mom and dad to take care of things when they should be taking care of themselves and if they are schizophrenic like the patients I deal with they don't know any better because they are at a different mental state right but learning how to set those boundaries and as Brenda said I provide a lot of psychoeducation for the parents and they don't want to hear it so not only for a disease like schizophrenia that progresses I tell them listen your son is not going to be the same son he was at 22 because now his illness has gotten worse Mm-hmm. And it's something that you have to get used to, and they don't want to hear it. And it's very hurtful, and parents are crying to me, and this is 
an older person, but it's something that we want you guys to start seeing and understanding when we're telling you this is something that is a disease. And that's another thing they don't want to hear that it's a disease. So I always compare it because it is a medical diagnosis to cancer diabetes. I think that's a really good way to try to get them to understand. But even then they say to me, yeah, but that's a real illness. And I'm like, wow, wow, but so is depression and so is schizophrenia. It's a medical, if you go to a doctor, they will diagnose you with this and they don't want to understand. And it's just heartbreaking because it is such a stigma. It is something that we're learned and taught from this age to now. I mean, we are social workers and we're trying to change that, but it's going to take a lot of progress and a lot of time because this is years and years and years and years. Layers, generations. Stigma. And not only stigma with having an illness, but also having to take psychotropic drugs. Yes. Which is another thing we really need to discuss. And this is where, and this is where, why exactly for me and just con- this, the conception of something like this where we're literally, you know, uh, fishbowl radio is global, right? So we're able to take the message to the globe. I, I made sure to reach out to the, uh, to the Latin countries, right? And to Mexico, uh, to Canada. So I hope that you're sharing. I hope that you're sharing the Facebook, uh, live video. We're, we're back up. Uh, hopefully you hear us loud and clear. Uh, but, begin to have these conversations mm-hmm. right yeah, begin definitely. to have the conversations yeah. be fearless mm-hmm. look i didn't know right i didn't know i thought that it was just a thing i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't know that it was really a disease that's mm-hmm. okay admit it yeah. and then you can turn it around mm-hmm. brenda when you were coming up in mexico what if, if you saw a family member that was i i, I would say what would they call them what would they call them in, um, in Mexico? You know, you can, and they do, you know, when I was younger, you know, saying, you know, loquito, la familia, this, like the little crazy one of the family. Like they, they, you know, yeah. we make jokes out of it. Yeah. So it's, it's almost, again, we minimize the, the importance of needing to understand that it is a true thing. And then, you know, um, growing up, of course, I mean, I, I my family is not very big, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to different you know mental illness or such things you know there was a lot of depression um and we saw that but in anxiety um but i i mean i felt lucky enough that my mother was very understanding as to where anxiety came from you know she was open to learning about things um so i mean i looked out there but um but it's definitely uh you know, you kind of say, well, that person's been doing this forever, so we're just going to take care of them because that's what we do as family, you know. Um, what do they need? Well, they just need to go and watch television or they need to go to church or they need to do this and that. Do we take them to the doctor? Not necessarily. Right. You know, because they've been like that their for whole their whole life. Um, say if it was schizophrenia or such things like right. that, you know. Or it's the devil. Or it's the devil. El diablo, devil. lo tiene el diablo. Uh-huh. Yeah, we need to get yeah. a priest, do an exorcism. Or there's brujería. Or, or brujería, yeah. You know, you know yeah. let's go to the witch, the, the witch doctor, the, witch the shaman, doctor. or whatever right. you want right. to call it. Yeah. 
he'll take care of this. Yeah. It's it's a spirit. It's not it's not my son. It's not my daughter. Yeah. This is not this is not them. This is something else mm-hmm. that has to have gotten a hold of them. Yeah. And and that's where we as social workers, I know we have to find that balance because mm-hmm. we are to honor the spiritual. Right. We're called yeah, right. to honor all aspects of of a per- person's belief yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. spiritual. Yeah, yeah. I sure. believe in, for sure. You know, yeah. And and even, you know, it, this is a crazy thing, but uh, a lot of nurses will know this, but there is a actual diagnosis where a disturbed aura. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the science shows that we yeah. do have an aura. You can actually read about us. So, there, you know, we definitely take that into context. I know when I work with a patient, mm-hmm. particularly my Mexican boys, mm-hmm. and they'll say, you know, I've been seeing spirits Mm -hmm. what i will ask them and i differentiate i say do you feel like it's in your mind in your head Mm -hmm. and it feels physical or does it feel external to you and you're experiencing energy or Mm -hmm. something like that and i'll differ and they're like oh okay yeah no it's outside of me yeah very clearly or you'll have a person who if they have schizophrenia very clearly no it's coming from a brain you know yeah so we definitely honor that with with the family so for those of you who do bring your families into the hospital, don't fear that you're going to get shut down in your beliefs. No, I mean, no, we're here no, to learn and we're not here to judge. Mm-mm. We're here to provide education. Yeah. Listen, everybody has a different spiritual belief. Some people are religious. Some people yeah. are Buddhist and Hindu or Christian, whatever it is. Some people are pagan and Wiccan. We're yeah. not here to judge you. Yeah. But that religion, that whatever belief is not a cure-all and that's what we want to tell you sometimes we do need to take medication even Mm -hmm. if we don't want to especially if it's a serious mental illness you do need to talk to someone you do need to you know compare notes with um, social workers talk to your doctor or psychologist psychiatrist whatever it is but we're not here to knock what you're believing we're here to just help you move forward with it yeah make an informed decision Mm -hmm. before you say no Mm -hmm. I I I like to know when the families come into the hospital, you know, how do I make them feel comfortable? How do how do how do we begin to approach that where the mother's scared and the father's like, oh, hell no, no. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what do you guys think as far as beginning to open the door? So I want you to think about this. You know, we're having this conversation with the community. Um, How do we begin to open the door? you know, for them, uh, what, what, what are we doing today? Like, how do we get them to start to shift their mind? Um, first, I think we need to start with having bilingual providers. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest struggle I have, and I don't know if Brian can vouch for this, but mostly the um, families that don't speak English, I have the hardest time providing that psychoeducation and them actually being receptive to it. And I don't know if it's because... I am from here or I'm younger than them or because there is that thing, you know, mm-hmm. if they're older than me, they know everything <laughs> they know and I don't know anything. And I'm like, and we bring but I'm not and- being disrespectful. And I went to school for two years intensely and I have this experience and I talk about this on the daily Trust me, my age right now has nothing to do with this. It's strictly knowledge. Um, and I, and I tell them I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And I think that's giving them the respect and letting them understand that I'm not here to say, you know, nothing. Yeah. Let's just, no, listen, this is what I know. Tell me what you know. Tell me how I can get you to understand what is happening with your son or daughter yeah. or husband or wife. Yeah. Or yeah. child or sister or brother yeah. or mother and father sometimes, believe it or not. 
for so sure. So you're 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 listening tonight, and you're you're saying to yourself, you know, hopefully you're be it's starting to kind of, you know, get into your mind that you've been in this culture, right? That something maybe hasn't felt right. Maybe something, maybe, you know, you did see that one family member and you thought, you know what? I always thought that was not right. (laughs) Right. It's time to let that little voice in the back of your mind that lets you know that there's got to be a better quality of life for your family members. That's what this really is about. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about helping them understand that they don't have to live like this. Um, They don't have to go through all the things that they're having to go through. There's help. Um, Sometimes it's very limited help, and that's frustrating as I'll get out. But, um, you know, there is help out there. And, you know, my message for them is to, to help them understand that they can reach out, that it's okay to reach out, that it's okay to feel like you don't know what's going on. Um, because that's why people are there and that's why we do what we do so that yeah. we can help them feel more comfortable. I think starting with education, mm-hmm. providing as much education as you can. And it's going to be the same family over and over again because it's going to take some time. Yep. Second, start killing that stigma that we have. Our stigma for mental health is so high. I mean, people are stopping themselves from getting some help because they're like, I'd rather live with whatever this is than let people think that I'm different. Mm -hmm. And then providing some really good health options. Because I don't think for Latinos, it's just a regular, here's a pill, go see a, a you know, therapist once a week, it doesn't work that way. Right. You have to nurture. They have yeah. to trust you. They have to yeah. make, you have to make them feel like family and vice versa. Yeah. For a lot of Latinos, for a lot of Mexican Americans, Mexicans, w- what have you, it's having that nurture. We are mm-hmm. people of like love and passion. And if I can't trust you and I don't feel comfortable in the room, yeah. why are you going to, why am I going to let you treat me? Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And that's, you know, uh, definitely, I, I see you, Mayori. <laughs> She's saying, you know, some people are scared to reach out. Some yeah. people are definitely scared to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we want to do tonight. We want to help you to overcome that fear. Mm-hmm. In this first hour, we've we've covered quite a bit on, you know, just what the mental health issues as far as some of the fears of, you know, taking the steps to admit that there's something wrong with your family member. Mm -hmm. The next step beyond that is getting help for your family member. And there's going to be a lot of fear in that. So it's going to take a lot of courage, Mm -hmm. you know, for people to step up and get their, get their family's help. In the second hour, what I'd like for us to do is to discuss the family dynamics. I'd Mm -hmm. like us to go a little bit deeper into how Papa and Mama, how they engage uh, how everybody fits into that family model and how that creates mental illness, huh? Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're about to, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we're about to go there. We're about to jump in deep, but that's what we do on Mental Speak. You're listening live on the Red Stream, hopefully. Are you watching us live on Facebook? Are you listening to us on your Fishbowl Radio app? You can download and Google or from iTunes. I just want to say thank you so much for listening tonight. We are not done.
And you are back on the Mental Speak show on the Fishbowl Radio Network, coming at you live from the Red Bull. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker. We are here in studio tonight. We're looking at a really beautiful sunset going down this Texas sky. I'll tell you guys something about Texas, man. These sunsets here are ridiculous. Ridiculoso. I said I was going to ruin a, a, a Spanish word tonight. <laughs> there you go. I did it. Okay. Ridiculoso. I just like to roll my R's. That's all. Don't make fun of me, Brenda. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in this evening, Middle Speak family. I'm sitting in with licensed master social worker Monica Lechuga y Brenda Alba. And we are talking about the stigma of mental health in the Mexican community, in the Latino community as a whole, but particularly the Mexican community. Uh, which these ladies have grown up in. So they are now social workers. Uh, their their heart is for mental health. And thankfully, uh, they also understand the culture. So tonight we are talking about the ways in which the Latino community, uh, and particularly the Mexican community, uh, has dealt historically with mental health and mental illness there are many different factors that go into this. Uh, we spoke in the first hour about the fact that they're, they're literally, there'll be 31% of the, uh, of American society will be Mexican. Okay. Second to Mexico itself, which makes sense because we're right next door. But the implications of that, if, if their mental health is not taken care of and, and the next generation of their children is not taken care of and addressed, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about, then just imagine these are the people that are immigrating here that are helping to build. I'm looking at Ranger Stadium and, and AT&T Stadium and all the different. Uh, we're looking at a building site right next to us. I can guarantee you that any site, any highway building site, any construction site, you name it, any housing site, Right? You drive past all these subdivisions. Who's building? Who's building? And their children are at home. Okay? We work in the mental health popul- uh, the mental health facilities. We're seeing their children come into the hospitals because their mothers are out working three jobs to support a family. So if you don't think this is a, a an issue, uh, that's something that needs to be dealt with, then I, d- I don't know what else to tell you, but that's what we do here at Mental Speak. We bring these these topics to light we're not going to shy away from them we're not going to be afraid we're going to fearlessly and courageously uh, speak on these issues and we're going to and I bring you the professionals uh, and the people from the community that can do it now ladies we need to talk about the household Mm -hmm. that creates the mental illness Mm -hmm. or contributes to it contributes to it contributes I talked to the boys today about the toxic swamp, right? If it's a toxic swamp, all the little animals are going to get sick. This is not about blame. This is not about pointing fingers. This is about discussing the generational issues. Okay. We all are learning. We all have learned behaviors and we need to learn how to unlearn these behaviors. That's what we're doing tonight. It's not about, I don't want you saying, yeah, I told you it was his fault, right? I don't know if they do that. They do that in the black community, right? Yeah. That's all it no, is. No, it is. No, I think we all minority communities, period. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
humans it's the human condition Mm -hmm. y'all let's go through the family dynamic okay we're gonna start with you men okay mexican men have the courage have the heart to open your ears and your mind tonight papa let's talk about papa ladies yep Yep. what a papa in the household well he's the one that sets the tone Mm -hmm. i mean depending on on the rate and the severity of machismo going on in the house. Um, ¿Qué es machismo? So machismo is the man is the head of the household, right? Um, he is like this machine that can do all. His word is what you listen to. They don't show or maybe show some emotions, right? Not all of them. But definitely not crying, definitely not vulnerable. Definitely there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. What else? My job right. is to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Your job is to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And these are my expectations. When I get home from work, I don't expect you to pretty much have emotions. Yeah. I expect mm-hmm. you to have expect you to be happy and everything because I'm providing for you. And what I say goes. Yep. So basically, Papa wants to come home to a household that is in order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tranquil. And tranquil. You know, he's had a stressful yes. day. Yes. Okay. At the expense of whom? Everybody. Of everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Papa yeah. comes home. And now, I know because we work in the mental, mental health industry, we're going to see the worst of the worst. Now, yes. let me ask you this. I know there's going to be a yeah. spectrum. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's sure. why I said severity of my yes. yes. And in general. In what in is general. what is okay, so give me give me papa in the general, he's not abusing his family. Give me just what does that look like? What is that household? I mean, even then it's not abuse because it's not. It's a cultural Okay. It's a cultural way life of, of way of way of living. Okay. Yeah. So Dad has a hard day of work. Dad comes home. He chills out for a little bit. Give him some space and then interact with the family. Right? But still, even at the end of the day, the decision, the final decision for the house comes from him. From dad. Mm-hmm. What is everybody doing? What is, what, what are, what, what are people doing internally? So what is mama doing to make this household peaceful and tranquil and and everything is all together what is she having to do a sacrifice and be to make it what papa wants you know that's uh that's a tough one because it can be different for everybody of course but you know you're going to sacrifice you know having to teach your child to be submissive and trying to teach your child to not have a voice at times and to just shut up because it doesn't matter right now because what matters right now is the peace in the house or what um, your father or said what your father's saying or you know um so you're teaching your child to suppress a lot of the things and so in turn i feel like mom hurts for that child hurts for that child and because they see um that that child's not able to be themselves and really express emotion um, at least that has been my experience working with these families. Um, yeah. I mean, I, um, my dad, great dad, I wouldn't switch him for the world, but like I grew up in a house where, you know, he's the man of the house and my brothers who are older than me, mm-hmm. same way. Right. Even now I am as old as I am. My brothers 
what I say, have to argue everything I say. Like I can say, look, it's a beautiful sunset, but you don't know about sunset. How would you know that's a beautiful sunset? There is this, this, and then, and I'm like, can I just make a comment without you disputing it or giving me feedback? Or this is what I love now. Okay. I'm a licensed master social worker. I mentioned something and my brothers to this day go, I'm older. I know more. I, you don't know anything. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I just paid thousands of dollars and busted my butt <laughs> yeah. through two years of, you know, grad school to learn all of this stuff. But you're five years older than me. So, you know, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. And right. I'm supposed to not be argumentative. And that's my problem. I'm going to quote, I'm air quoting guys, um, is that I have always been very verbal and that has caused a ruckus. Right. It's not something you don't know your place. I don't know my mm-hmm. place. Right. Mm-hmm. I need to learn my place. But I don't know how to do that. So maybe it is because I was brought up in the States. I'm also an Aquarian. And I don't know how <laughs> to Aquarians. shut up sometimes. <laughs> like, sometimes I have to, like, that's my biggest flaw, right? And so that, to some people, is not appropriate. And right. it's an aggressive move as a woman for me to dispute and defy. I mean, I feel bad for my parents growing up because... You know, you're going through hormones and you're an mm-hmm. adolescent girl and you're up yeah. and down with your emotions. And I was also saying, and on top of that, you're going to listen to me and I don't have to listen to you. And that's and going back to the stats where you had a suicide mm-hmm. right now, the highest percentage of suicide rates are Latinas ages 12 guys, 12 to 22. Mm-hmm. OK, 12. At 12, at 12, you're a child. You're, you're just barely getting into adolescence and puberty. But that's part of the problem is these girls are being told not right now. Yeah. Right, right. Don't defy but this. The way you feel doesn't and, matter. And it's not, and it's not always the father too. Like mm-hmm. my mother. Yeah. I'm your mother. I said this. Mm-hmm. I know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. No, not really. I mean, yes, you're my parent and you know some. But you can't know more about my feelings than me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to convey here. We're not saying, parents, you don't have any structure. You don't have any rules. You don't have. No, no, no. We're saying, open your ears a little bit. Because yeah. your kids, whether they're saying it directly or indirectly, are telling you something. And I think it's learning how. And I think it's going to be really hard because, yeah. you know, we were raised. I'm your yeah. parent. I know. Yeah. Or he's the dad or I'm older than you. But I think having a little bit of sympathy and a little bit of awareness Mm -hmm. is going to go a long way. For sure. And so as as what do you have to say on that? Yeah, I know for sure. Because I feel like if you, if you are constantly like with the young ladies, you know, the adolescent girls, well, I can't, I hear a lot, you know, I don't feel heard. I feel like my parents don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, what makes you think that? Well, they don't listen. They tell me I can't feel this way. They tell me not to cry. They tell me not to do this. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Because in a way, you're coping with things a certain way. So again, it's a lot of educating the parents on this is a different world. This is a different culture. It's a different way of living for these teenage kids. Um, it's not the way you were brought up. Right. And it doesn't have to continue to be the way you were brought up. Yeah. That's the thing. 
and that's that's change. that's what we're that's all we're saying tonight is that and and it has to change mm-hmm. it has this to. doesn't even this is like i said it's a matter of life and death mm-hmm. to to the point where again these children these boys you are to me represent what the girls are you know the girls are speaking up they're like mm-hmm. look i've been watching y'all mm-hmm. and i'm not going to deal with this anymore mm-hmm. i feel like the boys still clam up too much clam up because by nature a male is not as verbal as the woman right i mean we're speaking thousands more words than they do in a day but to be a young boy watching a father in the home who is telling everyone to shut up and is also telling you to not cry to hold back your feelings to be a man to be a man Mm -hmm. right be a man and I've heard it so many times. That's what the boys are telling me. So I'm talking to you, listener, your boys, your girls, mm-hmm. but your boys especially are being shut out and shut up. And we're not saying, as, as Monica pointed out, we're not telling you to relinquish your, your household duties, you know, uh, uh, to your family. We're saying, listen, mm-hmm. listen here. Um, now let's go to the under other end of the spectrum. We're going to go to the abuse end of the spectrum. There is prevalence for abuse. Now we mm-hmm. know sociologically abuse is going to be prevalent when there are financial issues. The lower end of the mm-hmm. scale yes. you are for socioeconomic status, the more there's going to be abuse. Mm-hmm. Is abuse wh- what is why does why does typically papa why is Papa using violence in the home, in, in, in this community? What is What are the, you know? I think it goes back to, I mean, we've taken, as, as social workers, we take a class on domestic violence and abuse and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. a cycle of abuse, right? Mm-hmm. My dad, when he was disciplining me, my mom, when she was disciplining me, that's what we used. And it worked. Mm-hmm. Okay? Worked for me. It worked for yeah. me. Look at me. That's what yeah. they say. I, I'm fine. <laughs> I have kids. I'm working. Are you getting fed? Yeah. I know I'm feeding you. You have a roof under over your head, right? You're you have gordo. You're f- look at you. <laughs> look at you. And you have clothes, yeah. right? That's and, more than I have. In our head, it's like, but is it really working? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Is it? Has yeah. it? So no. that 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 and and so that oh man, so that explains why when your child ends up in the hospital, what the, the what? yeah yeah. I'm out uh-huh. here working. Yeah. And then you go you're over here tripping and you're, you're yeah. doing all this and now we have to do this and now we have to pay extra. And so it, oh, it still get man. the child still gets yeah. blamed. Yeah. Wait till we get home. The way they feel. Wait till we yeah. get home. Okay. Right. I've heard it. You guys. Yes. I've heard it. On no, we've phone. heard it too. Yeah. I know you've heard it. I know you've heard it, yes. mm-hmm. you've heard it. And, and lived it. Mm-hmm. Right. And lived mm-hmm. it. So mama, how does mama perpetuate papa? How does she keep this cycle going? Again, it's being submissive and trying to make, you know, we, well, one, we don't want to make too much ruckus because he is a provider. Mm-hmm. Two, if it's lower income family, yeah. what else is she going to do? Yeah. If she lower income and an immigrant, mm-hmm. and let's add another top layer oh, yeah. illegally Illegal. here, and he's not, let's say the, the husband is legally here and the wife isn't, mm-hmm. guess what? She's going to do anything possible yeah. to stay gradient. here yeah. and not leave her children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, the husband's also using that as a control thing, right? Because if they've been married and they're in love, he could start working on the paperwork, but he's like, 
I have this I have thing you, you on know? you and I'm going to use it. So mom is like, kids, please, please, yeah. please don't talk. Please let daddy stay quiet mm-hmm. and happy. Clean your rooms. Do the housework. Do this and do that. You know, if he's not happy, he's going to hit you. And that's just a consequence yeah. of the family. Um, Dominant. Yeah. yeah. Manipulation. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's sad. That's very yeah. sad. And that goes across any culture for, for mm-hmm. sure okay for sure. but any like culture. for us it's it's typical because mm-hmm. you know the man it's a machismo yeah. and the women were supposed to say yes and okay yeah. whatever you say dear uh-huh oh okay you hit me okay maybe i deserve that did i deserve it i probably mm-hmm. deserve that so then the kid learns it yeah. right and the brother is doing it to the sister wow and then he's doing it to the girlfriend and yeah. then he's doing it to the wife yeah for sure and you know there are studies that show that if you're exposed uh, to domestic violence as a child, your brain actually changes. Yeah, I mean, sure. it is totally changing your brain. So, and that's what a lot of parents don't comprehend. Mm-hmm. When we when we return to the discussion, we are going to hit on the, you know, I really I want us. We're going to continue talking about the dynamic. I want to offer some hope to the families. I want to. I want us to give the family some practical ways to begin to turn it around, to yeah. to work together in the mm-hmm. home, to begin to, um, you know, start bringing some healing. As I tell you guys all the time, mental speak is about healing, man. This is we we don't just talk about it. We're not gonna leave you uncomfortable mm-hmm. without the knowledge to get it together. But we'll we'll be back to talk. In the park on a Sunday afternoon Me and the crew just jamming the oldie tune Sipping on a cold bottle A brewski Gave over swig, he passed it back to me Right about then, a came some of the homies Micah, Eli, PJ, Smooth, Phil, and Larry Busted off the ice chest, Phil popped the cooler Eli and Pete, drunk, brew, nothing better to do Micah's cup, yo, was filled with bird J Smooth had a cold glass too, you know it Word, girls at the fitness mess preparing the food The sky was clear and the weather was cool Kids at the playground playing on the merry-go-rounds All the cars cruising, bumping their funky sound Cause it's Sunday, last day for a fun day Back to business as usual come Monday At the park everything went real smooth On a Sunday afternoon All the bottles in the park stay ill Playing horseshoes to win a bill The kind of saw the lapping on the grill So now we eat The cops cruise by looking for the booze But what Ruben had was plain and simply apple juice Coming up short just like a fool A back to his car with nothing he could do All the cars in the parking lot low profile And everywhere you look you see somebody styling Cars with lifts rolling deep with booming sound It's a good time to cruise around in the parking lot where the brownies were stacking And all the vatos were looking for some we action were chilling yeah. in the park Just waiting for the sun to go down It was me, Shiro, and the homies A lot of shade above was setting and it began to get dark and we were getting ready to leave the park we had a good time oh, yeah. yeah we had a good day packed the stuff up and we was on our way yo mac and the brownies as we all cut them off at the pass 
but they was all like a saw as we pulled up. They were acting all shot at us, but essays, yo, wanna know who's the flyer? We found out, and Jimmy has to have passed out. Who not stop there, so hey, yo, peps, you jacked out. Coming up short, they gave us no runs. So yo, homies, consider this a dry Time run. to cruise the boulevard. Time's to happen. Guaranteed to find a brownie while the night is young. We were rolling. Yeah, looking real smooth. Cause cruising with it is how we ended our afternoon. You are back on the Mental Speak Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I am your host, Latani Davison, sitting in with Brenda Alba and Monica Lechuga. We are all licensed master social workers discussing um, the Mexican household as a general, in general. Okay, we're getting a little bit of feedback uh, from from some some texts and things of that such that you know. You guys know what it is, you know, and that's that's really what this is coming down to. You guys, you know what you've been living and you know what you've been experiencing and you just never really. I think it's a conversation that a lot of people you've been living it. I mean, what's to say, Mm -hmm. right? What's what's to say about it? What we're telling you from what we're seeing in the clinical setting is the way that it's always been is not healthy. It's not hear me, not healthy. Not healthy. Not healthy. Not Not working. It's not even working for you if you're sitting at the helm and this is the way daddy did it and granddaddy did it and uncle did it. Tio. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. No. It's not working. Nope. Your kids are are feeling like they need to die for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First, we're telling them not to speak and to close that voice and then we're smacking them if they are speaking. Mm -hmm. So we're giving a double jointed fist of you don't matter and right. that is going to hurt this child yep. and scar them the the children in the house um brenda i want to i want to turn this to you and and particularly because i don't know how i don't i mean and i want you to open up as much as you want to mm-hmm. but when you're that child what what were you thinking in a situation and you're looking at dad and this is the way that it is like were you thinking this isn't how it's supposed to be Mm-hmm. Or was it what you knew? You know, um, again, I know I was very young, and so I didn't, I, I don't remember a whole lot of stuff, you know, happening. So, but I do remember that our lives changed um, very suddenly, and they needed to. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it was just a, a lot of adjustment. Um but again, I think it depends on how, as a parent, you are able to handle and recover from certain situations. I think it really does make a difference, you know. Um, again, I had a very strong role model in my life, which was my mother. And uh, yes, there were struggles. There were good days, bad days. For sure. Um, but I think that, um, you know, it, you know, I think I'm one of those lucky kids that was able to leave that situation and you know i mean i i did something for myself then 
Had I stayed in that situation, I can't even tell you how my life would have ended, right. to be honest. So. I hear, I hear in, in, in the boys that I work with, I hear them saying, God, man, man, my dad, like they'll just shake their head or my mom shake, you know, yeah. it's like they know this is not good for them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they yeah. don't know if dad's not listening to me, dad don't want to hear what I have to say. Right. And mom ain't trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. How would you guys recommend now? Let's say they're not Monica. They're not that. Like, no, you're going to listen to me, right. whether you like it or not. <laughs> I'm going to get my present, my point across. Give, right? give, give the listener who is the child of this, of the parents that have been in this generational cycle. Mm-hmm. How do they begin to lift their voice and, and start, you know, yeah, just give them some practical advice if you can, maybe we can't. I mean, as a child, you know, you you want to feel heard. You want to know that you're safe. Mm-hmm. That is something that as a child you yearn for. You want to make sure that you're safe talking about what you feel and you want to have your basic needs met. So, you know, um, safety comes down to safety and reducing that anxiety. When you remain in that environment, you would think in your mind, well, this is what we know. This is how it's going to be because it's safe. Mm-hmm. Air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what you learn um, growing up. So I think that by saying, you know, try to be a little open-minded about, really ask yourself, is this really something that's safe for my child? What is safer? To have them be able to speak up about how they're feeling or to have them suppress a whole lot of emotion, a whole lot of everything, um, you know. So that's really that's really where the parent needs to ask themselves that, you know, what is really safe for my child? Because what I know is safe right now, it may not be for that child, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think it it has to come down. Brenda was talking. If it was, if it's an abusive situation, mm-hmm. maybe let it ride, and then the parent, the child can't speak at that moment. Mm-hmm. If it's not an abusive situation or abusive family or whatever, but it's just the regular, and I say regular, which is not a standard, but right. you know, machismo cultural. in which cultural, mm-hmm. like dad hits it appropriately. Cause some people still believe that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But as the child, like I'm trying to get myself back to where I was again, I was very fearless and I didn't care much, but if I was trying to switch, switch to the other side, I'd say, as a child, so now I'm talking to the kids here, the adolescents, the young adults. If you want to say something and you feel like you're not being heard by speaking, try something new. Mm-hmm. So, write a letter. I know this is going to seem silly, but write a letter. Say, Mom, Dad, or if you just want to talk to Dad, if you want to talk to Mom, whoever you feel safer with, here's the thing. I feel like I've been trying to talk to you and you're not listening. So I'm going to try something else. I'm writing you this letter because yada 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 or mm-hmm. what have you right try something if that works fantastic if it doesn't work go to your school counselor say this is what's happening can we do an intervention can we do mediation can we do conflict resolution can you teach me how to talk to my parents mm-hmm. they're you know the cultural is different i'm american they're mexican so the kids are already strag- struggling with cultural issues yeah. because we're being american and mexican right and then they're trying to communicate with the parents and it's a, a different way of doing it so i would tell the kids 
write the letter. Try something different. Don't uh, assume your parents don't care and just are going to get angry because I mm-hmm. think that's the first thing we think is when yeah. when we're adolescents we're like my parents are just going to get mad they don't care they don't want to listen to me yeah try something different and then go to a safe person to help yeah. you with that yeah I like that writing a letter because it it allows th- again this is something different mm-hmm. it forces the mind to shift because I would imagine that a parent that gets that letter is like. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to be an element of surprise. Yeah. 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 But you've been thinking the, what? Yeah, but then the parent <laughs> has no choice but to read it oh, yeah. because yeah. if you don't read yeah. it, then you're then like, you're well, like, I didn't read it. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's for me, the first thing that came to my mind is that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Huh. And it, and then it speaks to where when we're working with the people in the hospital, mm-hmm. a lot of what we're doing with our cognitive behavioral therapy is we're asking people to put down thoughts on paper that yeah. they've never They've never tapped into those feelings yeah. before, no. remember, because they were yeah. suppressed. Yeah. Yeah. They won't recognize them. Yeah. Depression, yeah. anger, yeah. hostility, mm-hmm. resentment, you name it. They haven't ever. And I'm talking, guys, I work with adults, right? So this is like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old men and women who have never been in touch with their feelings. Mm-hmm. But writing something down, one, can help relieve that stress. And for the first time, you're able to say it in a safe way even if you don't want to share it mm-hmm. right so i recommend a journal a diary whatever it is write it down if it's a safe thought now if it's not a safe thought you need to talk to someone but if you want to communicate with your parents and you haven't been able to verbally write a letter write it down let them know i really want you to hear me and this is how i'm going to try it for sure I encourage that a lot with my kids that are especially struggling with communication. Um, it's It feels safer to them. It doesn't feel as threatening. Um, and the parent also has a chance to process because a lot of times as parents, you're going to hear things that you're like, what the heck? And you don't know what to do with all of that. So it can be very overwhelming. Um, and that gives a chance, you know, for the parent to really say, okay, I really need to think about my response. Yeah. Because that's important Mm -hmm. Um, because you're getting that child to actually express by writing. You don't want them to shut down at that point. Mm -hmm. If you come back saying, what is all this? You know, that criticism. Mm hmm. That, I love that. It, yeah, you're removing that. What yeah. is this? What? Yeah. What? Yeah, that defensiveness. No, uh huh. Yeah. Def- now it's it's got to get in. The words the words are going to get in. Mm-hmm. We're and we're recognizing the fact that this is generational. Mm-hmm. This is like you had kids and then they had kids and then you grew up seeing it around you. You grew up seeing you you know every family member. If this is the case for your household, you saw your cousins and your aunts mm-hmm. and everyone interacted this way so we understand that it's not going to break overnight so it's going to take some really radical radical moves to shift the mind oh yeah mm-hmm. right definitely For sure. this is a paradigm yeah, shift of of ultimate proportions man mm-hmm. this is this is nuts mm-hmm. which is why we're doing this which is why we're talking about this tonight so going i want to go back to the mental health aspect then the mental illness how do we begin then to approach mental illness in the household? So you're sitting, you're, you're listening tonight and you realize, Hey, somebody's not too well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's think of some practical tips for how they, uh, you will present to a family member, maybe to go get help. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts and tips on that? So, um, when I was writing my thesis, one of the things I wrote about is 
is the treatment of mental illness in mm-hmm. Latinos, right? So there's um, Dr. Cavazas. He is out of um, NYU. He and this pharmacologist in uh, UCLA came up with this thing. It's called a fotonovela. So fotonovela in English is like a graphic novel, okay? Yes. You can get them um, online. You can order them. So that's one thing that I suggest. I used that a lot when I worked with um, Dr. Sanchez at UTA. That was her main topic on how to treat um, depression with Latinos, and it's awesome. It's an easy read. It provides a lot of information. It has a bunch of visuals on it, but it's called a fotonovela. And you can get it for depression. You can get it for alcoholism. You can get it for schizophrenia. You name it. Okay? So that's one of the ways. A second way that I can think of is reaching out reaching to out. someone. Okay? For sure. Someone who is a licensed social worker. If you're at school, yeah. you're a counselor. If you're in a community setting, go to your community health center. I know in Arlington we have one, and they have an LCSW there, mm-hmm. and they provide services. I mean, reach out to someone. Don't be afraid. Yeah. It's not going to be a judging situation. We are here to help. Yeah, that's Don't what be our profane. Yeah, take that shame out, like away from it. You know, um, don't feel judged. Because you're not being judged. If you walk in through those doors, you know, you are there to get help. And, and we uh, want to help you. Yeah. We do want to help you. And there are people that want to help. Yeah. So and it sounds like it's going to take the person on the other side of the shame that you may have felt in the household or within the family that um, at least if you can take that step to getting help, there's going to be tools on the other side to help you deal with those emotions and those feelings of shame and mm-hmm. guilt and, mm-hmm. you know, oh my God, what have I done to my family? And um, all those things that your family can't help you with, right, that they yeah. haven't been able and yeah. didn't have the knowledge and the know-how to help you with. So um, we're really, yeah, we're asking for people to, to take a courageous step because you're going to begin to help your community make changes for the better. It's always scary when it's time to do something different, yeah. but... You guys know that on, uh, you know, until you leap, you're just going to get more of what you didn't want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm encouraging you right now. If you are listening, that, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't think that you have to cause chaos in your family. We're not saying like shake up the household <laughs> yeah. to the point that, you know, don't start you, calling people crazy, right? Don't do that. Don't you know, do that. and I call, and the reason that I titled this. Um, you know, no soy loco, Mm -hmm. right, is using that word, using the word. We got to take the stigma off of it. Yeah. You know, that's what the comedian does particularly, right? We're going to use words uh, that society or particular culture, like, hey, we don't use that word. Well, you crazy people, it hurts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. It hurts. Um, Your family member may have a biochemical issue, Mm -hmm. right? They may have been in a situation for too long, uh, to the point that it's stress or it's on the other end depression. So let's start calling it what it is. I need you guys to, to check in, do a little bit of digging, right? Explore your mind. That's what we do here at Mental Speak. We're not done just yet. You're listening to Mental Speak.
And we are wrapping up another broadcast of the Mental Speak Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Man, tough topic, tough topic, y'all. It it it's been a challenge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we did it. Yeah. Woo! What I do, man. Brenda was like, "Man, we're gonna make some people mad." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> that's what the heck we gonna do?" Uh, we wanted to delve in real quickly to. Uh, the fact that bilingual patients, this is, um, again, from the American Psych- Psychiatric Association, that bilingual patients are evaluated differently when mm-hmm. evaluated in English versus Spanish. Mm-hmm. Man. So before you even walk in, as you walk in the door and you see the practitioner, you're already looked at a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Insurance. Yes. got to throw that in there. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Come on. That's a big one. Ugh. We have observed. I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. We have observed the way in some instances that insurance groups, particularly Medicaid. So for those of you out there, I'm, I'm going to speak to you right quick. The, the, the ignorant person, and I say ignorant in the sense of not having the knowledge, you, you worry about resources being used. I'm going to tell you that very hardworking, uh, taxpaying Latinos are getting the worst resources. Yes. But to build your houses. Right? And then make your food. Build your house. house. Make your food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cutting your lines, cleaning, cleaning for you. Right? Cleaning your buildings. Taking care of your kids. Yeah. Come on with it and have some of the worst resources. So that, you know, that's why I say I come, we come with the numbers. We come with the research here because we have to speak. We're speaking truth to power. Okay, so you want to come at people, you want to say, oh, they're using up all our resources. I'm going to tell you right now, when we go to refer someone who is on Medicaid, they are barely going to get any help. Barely. 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 So um, just walking in the door to get your mental health, right? There can be some barriers to that. Speaking Mm -hmm. the language, unless we have these two dear women here. I can use a language line, but then then I lose that sense of I'm here for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it goes back to that needing that nurture or that mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I need that comfort. Mm-hmm. Check this. So, if a this says that you know forty percent of whites uh, with a probable need for mental health services. Uh, this was 2015. They will seek treatment, but if you ask Latinos, only 27 percent will seek treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for the one that said that most will not return. I want to make sure I have this these numbers right. Uh, I see that. I don't see the number, and I you know I don't want to throw that out there, but it it says something to the fact that most Latinos, 50 percent of Latinos that go to one. They'll go to one uh, treatment mm-hmm. and then they don't return. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. there's a rate of not sticking it out, right? Not being compliant mm-hmm. with the care. Yeah. Fear. Mm-hmm. For sure. So <clears throat> what we want to say to you tonight, again, begin the process. Begin to be honest. We know we're not going to solve, save the world in one mm-hmm. night. I like to try. Yeah, I like to try, y'all. Maybe we changed one person's world right now. That's all that matters. Yep. That's all we're trying to reach is one. And I, I thank you all so much for being here to help me do this tonight. Um, but yeah, take take the steps. Um, Monica, you had a couple points that you wanted to yeah, hear. I want to make so sure you get it in. On the provider's end, I just wanted to let you guys pr- 
be aware of this. So um, some Latinos already feel discriminated against. So I think it's going on what Latanya just said. They already feel discriminated against by the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're not getting the medical help. All right. So if they're not getting that, what do you think is going to happen when they have, when they need that mental help? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. There's too many other barriers. So what, as providers here, we want to let other providers know we need to start with education on you and the patient. Let the patient know what him or her role is. All right. I think that's important. I think the reason they don't come back is because they're like, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Right. Let them know. Here's your meds. Take them like this. Please provide psychoeducation. Yes on psychotropic drugs that is so important it is such a stigma and such a barrier for them to take it if you're not providing that service and they stop taking it because they feel okay and then their depression gets more severe please provide that education that's going to be big yeah and also, also i'm sorry go ahead and also just take the time and listen mm-hmm. oh, listen man. to that what what that person's concerns are yeah, because, because if there's not a trusting relationship, yeah. they're not going to yeah. self-disclose. They're yeah. going to minimize their issues, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Third, have we're going to have to, as a community, as a medical, now I'm talking to the federal government here, we need more <laughs> culturally di- uh, diverse, yeah. culturally adapted psychotherapy and treatments mm-hmm. for different, not just Latinos, just for different minorities, okay? We have to think about the cultural aspect. All of Okay, I'm not going to say all. Most of our research now is based on white males or white females of a certain socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. Okay? We need to expand this. There are too many minorities in this country now not to think about the psycho um, therapy if it's not culturally adapted. 31%. 2060, y'all. That's just us. And yeah. think about any biases that you already have. Latanya already mentioned it. You come in, it's a lower education, uh, like a low mm-hmm. SES, social economic status patient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be covered by insurance. You know, they're probably not going to have money. It's going to take a long time because it takes, as providers, guys, let, let me just tell you, when it's a situation with no insurance, low insurance, underinsured, it takes us a long time to give that service, not because... We want to take it longer. It just takes longer because we're trying to find resources, we're trying to help them get those meds without breaking the bank, give them the treatment, giving the aftercare, all of that. So as providers, think about those biases. Are you treating this patient a little bit different because that you know mm-hmm. it's not going to be as... You're not going to have an easy... not going to have as much... Plan yeah. for that. Yeah. Or Access. they're going to be non-compliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Versus someone who has great insurance and you know they're going to come back and they're going to follow up and all that good stuff. So as providers, think about our own biases. For I sure. know we're human. Okay, guys, we're yeah. all human beings. Yeah, And we've got to be able to, to take it to where, and this is why I wanted to marry the family dynamic with the information about the mental health aspect mm-hmm. because... You guys, you better get, you better get it. When they walk in that, they're already, you know, if, if the household is and the mindset is you don't get help, mm-hmm. then that person may be walking in. I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. My dad told me I'm crazy for coming here. Mm-hmm. And, or, or, you know, no one acknowledges the fact that I'm sick. So you need to know when they walk into the door that, um, they're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah. we are, I mean, God, oh, these shows go so fast. There's so much to cover. Mm-hmm. We're going to have yeah. a part two. <laughs> you know we're coming yeah. back. You know we're coming back. There's a lot of weeks in the year. I need to take the moment to say thank you to Brenda. Thank you to Monica. 
Um, I, I know that you're going to help a lot of people tonight. Please share. Share the video. Um, log on, www.mentalspeakradio.com. I have begun to upload the um, the the shows. Uh, Monica informed me that, you know, you got to listen all the way through. I'm working on that. We'll get that up for you. Um, but you can also log on to fbrn.us and the host page. And the shows are also there as well. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful to you, Mental Speak family, for joining every week. I know you could be doing a lot of things on a Friday night. Um, but I'm so glad that you join in here. My hope is, uh, we achieve mental and emotional balance. Mm-hmm. That's what we're shooting for. That's yeah. what we're going for. And I think we're on our way. Keep talking about it. Keep discussing it. Embrace this. Be courageous, y'all. Uh, we'll see you next Friday on the Mental Speak show right here in the Red Bull. Thank you so much. I'm Latanya Davison. I'm out. Paid and went through it. through it. Had no destination. We was on a quest. I laid in the back so he can get rest. Drove down the road for two days and a half. The sun had just risen on a dusty path. Just been a major. Had caught my eye. A mirror for Sabrina who was four feet high. I pulled over to ask where he was at. This index finger, he tipped off his hat. Elsa Gundo, he said, My name is Pedro. If you need directions, I'll tell you pronto. Need a civilization, some sort of reservation. Tip, man, you got what you need? I checked for keys and started to step. What do you know? My wallet, I forget. <laughs> Yo, it's a brown wallet. Have pops numbers. Have my Jimmy hats. I gotta get it, man. Lord, have mercy. They got hotter. Ali starts to curse me. I feel bad, but he makes me feel better. Chit-chit-chatter. Cars starts to scatter. Breaking on out. We was northeast bound. Jetting on down at the speed of sound. Three days coming. And three more.
tomorrow, tomorrow. Thinking about the past week, the last week Hands go in my pocket, I can't see Hop in the car and torpedo the shack Shaggy, we gotta go back When he said why, I said we gotta go Cause I left my wallet in El Segundo